MIAA Mondays with MIAA Commissioner Mike Racy. Thank you so much for joining me. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to talk about a lot of different things, a variety of topics. Maybe an odd time to probably start talking in the middle of summer when everybody's gone, but there's still things to talk about from last year as well as the, the spring meetings you guys have. But first, uh, sir, thank you for coming on with me. Yeah, thank you, Chris. It's, uh, it's great to be with you. It's great to have this platform to talk about things going on in EMIAA and uh, just appreciate your interest in, uh, in our conference and things going on in Division Two. I, I want to get to a lot of topics, especially for the spring meetings and everything, but just so happens the Supreme Court kind of came out timely with something that's been very big across, I think, all divisions, maybe Division One more than everybody else, but the NILs. And people, I think, are also talking Supreme Court all voted the same on something at this point, too, just all kind of agreeing on it. Um, what is What does that look like for the MIAA, and how much does the NIL issues look at Division Two? Because I think people think Division One for a lot of these things, but there's impact across the board, isn't there? I think so. I think, uh, you know, a very important Supreme Court case this morning, uh, the case was heard this past spring, but, you know, as, as you know, the justices uh, decide who's going to write the opinion and then, and then uh, take sides and then, and then those decisions get released uh, usually in June and the NCAA case released uh, just this morning. Uh, it's a it's a case. Uh, the the case name is Alston, and it uh, it was a lawsuit against the NCAA, and I and I think about eleven other Division One conferences, and and basically saying that the NCAA restrictions on the type of education benefits that a, a school could give to student athletes, the Supreme Court came back and said that those those restrictions were illegal. The NCAA really cannot um, restrict the type of education benefits that student athletes can receive. So things like uh, a laptop computer or uh, a school uh, setting up a student athlete's internship program, um, a school paying for a student athlete's tutors, you know, those are all things now that, uh, um, that are permitted and, and I think, you know, the, the, the public's heard a lot lately about the, the name image likeness. Um, a lot of states have enacted laws on um, a student athlete being able to earn money off of his or her name, uh, their image or their likeness. Um, I think there are about six states, Chris, that had those laws set to go in effect uh, July 1st. And the NCAA has, has, uh, has really delayed acting on, on uh, differences in, in those state laws and trying to put a rule in place for what's permitted and what's not permitted in Division I or Division II or Division III. The, the NCAA wanted to wait and, uh, and see what the Alston case released this morning said. Uh, it was also hoping that that uh, Congress, at the federal level, would would perhaps adopt a, a law that was uh, enforced in all 50 states, and that hasn't happened. So uh, we're we're in a little bit of a um, kind of unpredictable space uh, for NCAA and membership in all three divisions, 
and uh, um, we'll, we'll probably hear more about this, Chris, later this week. Uh, NCAA uh, Division One and Division Two uh, governance groups are meeting uh, this week, and and obviously we'll be talking about uh, name, image, likeness. But I think there are people that are are interpreting the you know what the what the uh, Supreme Court said today that really. The, the NCAA can't restrict much more than saying um, schools and boosters, you can't pay a student athlete um, to come to your school and, and you can't pay a student athlete uh, because of his or her performance and, and how they're doing in their sport. Um, other than that, the Supreme Court saying that, you know, schools have a lot of leeway in, in what they can do and what they can provide to students. And, and uh, so I, you know, I think uh, because of the case today and saying that the NCAA doesn't have this kind of antitrust blanket coverage on, on whatever rules they want in place, that, that that's gonna, uh, you know, that's gonna uh, withstand the challenge uh, of some sort of a, a legal case you know, I, it seems to me that, you know, we're going to be in for kind of a, the wild, wild west for a little while of, uh, of what schools and conferences are trying to do. On the name, image, likeness front for, for the MIAA, what does that mean in Division Two? Well, I think it means that, you know, our schools are going to have to uh, be in a position where they can talk to potential recruits and say, look, you know, come to uh, you know, be a student athlete at Northwest Missouri State or be a, a student athlete at Missouri Western or be a student athlete at uh, Pittsburgh State University because, you know, we have a great business school. They're going to help you uh, if you have um, questions about how to create your own brand, how to, how to market yourself, uh, you know, how to develop skills and and uh, in turning a, a social media uh, presence into a revenue stream, you know, uh, schools will be prohibited about matching up sponsor X with student athlete Y, but they can assist students in helping them develop skills and and resources. Um, and I and I think that becomes the new uh area where we're recruiting wars are really going to be fought over the type of schools that a student can go to and at the division two level or the nai level or the division three level and create you know their own brand or if they already have their own brand because they are um an influencer on instagram or what you know whatever right that they could come to that school and uh and find a way to expand it, um, um, and and do so because they are a you know a great a great quarterback or a great uh, a great soccer goalie on the on the women's soccer team, and uh, you know our challenge at the MIAA office is really to help our schools be prepared uh, to go into these new recruiting battles, and to help student athletes understand that hey. The place to uh, the place at the Division II level um, to to have a chance to win championships, develop your sports skills, and also develop the skills that you want to help promote your name, your image, your brand, is at an MIAA school, and uh, you know that's the reputation that we 
that we want. Uh, you know, that's a reputation when we when we talk about facilities or quality coaches or uh, a great place to get an education. You know, now we want that same conversation that coaches have with student athletes to be about, hey, an MIAA school is a great place to go and and develop your brand and and really find ways to uh, to market who you are while you're a member of our basketball team or football team or whatever the case may be. This is probably an if, when, then, perhaps question, hypothetical or anything else. We talked about co- the federal level. Congress hasn't passed anything through. I, I know Missouri's how ha- I know they're trying to get something at the NIL through. What will what does it look like for the MIAA if maybe one of the states doesn't have it, but the other ones do? And we talk about recruiting battles that that's yeah. going to is the hope for the MIAA mm-hmm. to have all the states or all the schools on the same page, even if the states are still working through their legislation. Yeah, Chris, that's a great question, and that's a real challenge for our conference because, you know, we have schools in four states, and right now all four of those states are kind of in different places. Uh, A couple of the states have have adopted the legislation uh, kind of with a sliding window of of when it could go into effect. Um, Anytime after July 1st, but no later than July of 2023. Um, I think the state of Missouri, I think they put their, they passed their law. It's just waiting on the governor's signature. So, you know, we've got, we've got states in, in different places. And I think, I think here within the next few weeks, without any type of NCAA action, it would really force our conference to develop um, some parameters around what, uh, you know, what student athletes can and can't do uh, until we, until we have NCAA legislation or federal legislation or all four of our states get on on equal footing with similar language and uh, a similar effective date. So, you know, we're in a, you know, we're in a holding pattern like every other conference in the country, um, kind of monitoring and watching this stuff. But, um, you know, before the end of the summer, certainly um, we would need to take some action as a conference collectively what's best for our 14 schools if there's not uh, action at the national level. Let's kind of take a look back now, I guess, at this past academic year and everything. It feels like it's been forever since last August when everything was, you know, fall sports seasons were canceled and postponed and moved back. Winter seemed a little bit more normal. Spring seemed like the most normal we've had since, I guess, last year. Um, I guess take me kind of through how you feel like things went just through all the ups and downs and the changes and having to adapt kind of on the fly. Well, I think, you know, that was the key is that there really wasn't a playbook on, on what uh, really what any conference division one, division two or division three needs to be doing. Uh, I look back on, on what uh, the MIAA was able to accomplish. And I, I actually look back with a lot of pride. Um, we, uh, you know, we were able to find a way uh, to be one of the first NCAA conferences to get our student athletes back on the, on the basketball courts. And, um, you know, we were one of the only conferences in the country, any level that that played every single men's and women's basketball game, even though we had a few 
several that got uh, postponed. Um, we made them all up, and uh, you know we we got through the the season with a perfect record as far as uh, games scheduled and games played. So I look back with a lot of pride. Um, you know, I also look back uh, at what we did, and I'm a little exhausted because we. <laughs> We, uh, we worked really hard to put all of these things in place that would allow us to play, but do so in a very um, uh, safe and, and responsible way. Um, you know, we, we took action as a conference to make decisions about um, how often we would test and what those testing protocols would look like and how often we'd be testing our officials and the type of uh, protocols that would need to be in place in tennis or or uh, or basketball or or soccer or volleyball or what whatever sport you know what were the things that we needed to do to change uh, kind of our normal behavior um, in conducting that that competition and make sure that our student athletes and uh, coaches and all the participants were were staying safe we had to do things that um, made it safe for our communities to come back and support their teams. And, and uh, you know, whether that was temperature checks or how we spaced out um, our fans in the arena. We, we had uh, um, one of our corporate partners is a law firm, I'm sorry, an architectural firm in Kansas City, Hollis Miller uh, Architects. It's a firm that specializes in higher education and uh, designs a number of, of athletic facilities, uh, collegiate and professional. And um, they last fall, they did a tour of every one of our MIAA schools uh, to offer advice about, um, you know, with the with the restrictions of the pandemic, how to move, how to move fans into your arena, how to move fans out of your arena, how to space fans, um, just. Um, uh, really a, a free consultation that they provided to every one of our schools. And, um, you know, not, not a lot of conferences uh, did that. We thought that was important for the MIAA to, uh, to, to do that. We also uh, created a partnership, Chris, with the U.S. Council for Athletes Health. And it's, a, um, it's an organization out of Columbus, Ohio, um, made up primarily of, uh, of sports doctors and uh, athletic trainers that provide uh, consultation on a number of a number of issues, and we we partnered with them uh, over a year ago to provide us with direct consultation uh, during the pandemic. And we were we were one of the first conferences in the country to. Uh, to sign on uh, to work with them. And uh, it really helped us as we tried to navigate things we were hearing from the, the Centers for Disease Control and the NCAA and uh, some of our local health departments. We had to kind of uh, sort through all of that and, and, and try to come up with uh, protocols that would work for our membership and in our communities. And, um, and we did it. And, and so I look back, uh, uh, I'm a tired commissioner, <laughs> but I'm also a very proud commissioner because uh, I felt like we did it the right way. And, uh, and, and we did what was right for our student athletes to find a way to let them play.
And, um, and we had another successful, um, very successful winter and spring sports seasons for our MIAA member schools. I was getting ready to talk about that part. Um, Northwest with a basketball national championship, Central Missouri women making a run there. Um, I'm going to leave some out, I'm sure. It's been, like you said, it's been kind of uh, one of those years. <laughs> yeah, UCM we had baseball. We, yeah. Baseball, UCM uh, uh, runner-up. Uh, we had another runner-up finish with uh, University of Nebraska Kearney in wrestling. Uh, they finished uh, finished second in the country. Um, the Central Oklahoma had a great year uh, for their women's sport. Uh, women's tennis finished in the final four. Uh, although it's not an MIAA sport, um, uh, University of Central Oklahoma in women's rowing won their third consecutive NCAA uh, national championship. Um, we had a, a number of top uh, top 10 finishes in, in indoor and outdoor track. Um, at the team level, uh, I think Northwest Missouri State uh, men's tennis uh, finished in the Elite Eight. So, um, and then Chris, one thing that not a lot of people know about, but it's um, it's really the uh, it's a testament to how how awesome our MIAA student athletes are not not just in their sport, but also in the classroom. Um, the NCAA gives an academic award at every NCAA championship. They call it the Elite 90 Award. Right. And um, you know, to even qualify, you've got to be, you've got to be at the national championship. So you've got to be a great athlete, part of a great team. Uh, but we had five MIAA student athletes uh, that won that award at their NCAA Division II championships this past winter or past spring. And, you know, that just, um, you know, the, the term scholar athlete is, is one that uh, people talk about a lot, um, but uh, you, you really see it in the MIAA. These are, these are great students. They are uh, going to be, uh, you know, great doctors, attorneys, uh, vets, uh, bankers, uh, television personalities. Um, Let me and, tell you, uh, uh, <laughs> I would go with the vet or a doctor or anything <laughs> else if you're looking for the high paying ones. <laughs> but they are, uh, they're great. They're great at what, uh, you know, they're, they're great at why they go to college and why they go to college is to graduate and get a degree. And, and they're getting that paid for because they're, they're also great athletes. Uh, but that's, uh, you know, to have five of those scholar athletes recognized by the NCAA at championships uh, in a shortened year where we didn't have fall sports. That was, uh, um, you know, that, that, uh, that was a great explanation point too for MIAA success this year. Commissioner, looking at the uh, spring meetings you guys had, just kind of going through there to kind of wrap up the season and kind of getting things ready to go for next year, we can start with the biggest news is that you'll be around for a little bit longer, at least till uh, 2024 at least is, you know, that's, the, right. that's the biggest news of the day, isn't it? Well, I, you know, I, I appreciate the um, confidence that the uh, MIAA Council of Presidents expressed and, and they did extend my contract through June of 2024. And, you know, Chris, I love, uh, I love what I do. I love this conference. Um, 
I've been in higher education for almost 30 years. I, I spent a number of years working at the NCAA national office in Indianapolis. Um, but a, a job like this really puts me uh, closer to uh, student athletes, closer to success of member institutions. And I, I can't think of a, a place I'd rather be than than helping to guide and lead the, the MIAA. It's, uh, it's got a great history. Uh, it's great, great, great leadership, uh, great uh, member institutions and a, a great track record of success. So yeah, I was, I was thrilled and uh, didn't take me long to sign the uh, extension to say, yeah, this is what I want to continue to do. So no holdout on your part then? No, 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 uh, no long negotiation, no, uh, no uh, argument between the attorneys. No, we were, we were very quick to say, yeah, this is, uh, this is where I need to be and this is what I enjoy doing. Very good. I would hate that to let you put that information out there that you held him at a stalemate for two months. That's right. No, none of that. None of that. You kind of look at the other notes, um, maybe a, a sign of normal to come or normalcy again. Return to the MIAA championship field sizes. That, that seems like maybe the biggest return to normalcy that maybe came out of out of the you know policies that were approved. Is that kind of give a sense of relief, hope of you know this school year should be good to go at least at this point? Yeah, I think it's all a good sign. Um, you 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 captured one of the action items out of our summer meetings, and that was to. For our, for our athletic directors and our presidents to say, yeah, we're going to go back to uh, the size of our championships that we had in place in 2019-20 uh, uh, before the pandemic, uh, what we played in 1819. So, for example, um, uh, in 2019, uh, the MIAA basketball tournament in Municipal Auditorium uh, featured uh, 10 men's teams and 10 women's teams. Uh, this past uh, 2020, obviously, we uh, we did that as well. And then the pandemic came and um, and we weren't able to uh, replicate that in, in 2021. We had to uh, we had to play our basketball tournament um, on campus sites and we had to cut the, the tournament down to uh, uh, eight team quarterfinals on campus sites feeding into a, a final four at the highest remaining seed. And, um, you know, we're going to be back at 10 uh, men's teams, 10 women's teams at municipal um, next spring. And uh, that's what our student athletes want. That's what our coaches want. Um, and uh, it is a sign that, you know, we're back and, and things are uh, things are returning to normal on the testing front. I, I think uh, right now it looks like uh, we won't be doing regular testing. Um, we're gonna we're gonna leave that up to each each school and their community on whether or not the student body is being tested. Um, but uh, you know there won't be any conference policy to to do weekly testing or testing of our officials. Um, uh, you know, right now we don't anticipate that we'll have any capacity limitations at our at our stadiums, uh, uh, in our venues. There won't there won't be mass requirements uh, for our fall outdoor sports. So um, all the trends are good, and it looks like uh, you know we're going to be back, and and things are going to be what what uh, MIAA uh, fans and students 
recognize what what sports were like before the pandemic hit? Probably know the answer to this one. Just kind of want to double check and on everything too. Um, the league doesn't really have any say or control over any type of vaccination things. To kind of that's the other hot button issue with COVID too is vaccinations. Do people get it? There's no real. Is it possible for the league to have policies on that? There are a few conferences that that uh, that are working towards uh, those type of policies. That in order to in order to to play uh, or compete as a student athlete, um, you have to prove that you you've been vaccinated. Um, it, it's uh, most of the conferences that are moving in that direction are conferences with predo- predominantly private institutions. Uh, it's very difficult for public institutions to have that type of policy. And in fact, there are a few states um, that have that have passed laws that would restrict a public institution or public entity from from asking that question. And uh, so um, it's uh, it's something that some conferences are working towards. It's not something that we're uh, working on in the MIAA. Uh, as you know, 13 of our 14 schools are are public institutions, right. and um, uh, you know I'm not hearing any uh, noise from our schools that there's going to be a, a vaccination requirement for for students to come back and and be uh, in person in classes in the fall, and and we certainly aren't aren't talking or working on that as it relates to. Uh, uh, MIAA uh, student-athlete competition. Just kind of looking through, um, anything else come out of the meetings that would be something that uh, I, I guess fans of the MIAA, Northwest Missouri Western may be interested in? You know, the one thing that we did agree to is we're going we're gonna to put together a small task force to go back and take a look at um, our govern- governance structure and our bylaws, uh, kind of an after-action report on on uh, on COVID-19 and how our uh, conference policies and uh, our structure worked. Um, you know, I think it I think it worked pretty well, but I think it's always healthy as an organization when you go through when you go through something like this to take some time, um, you know, near the end or after it's over to look back and, and see if there's some things that you would tweak or do different. Um, you know, it's always good to learn from uh, what we've been through. So we're going to do that. We're going to take some time uh, this summer and and early fall and uh, and and really, uh, you know, take a look back and, and see uh, uh, see what we want to do. Um, a couple of other things, uh, you know, I think the um, uh, the conference uh, is very pleased with our relationship that we have here in Kansas City with uh, municipal auditorium and, and, and playing our basketball tournament in Kansas City. Uh, 2023 right now is scheduled to be our final year of hosting the basketball tournament uh, in municipal. And um, uh, the presidents have, have asked me to go and, and try to extend that relationship beyond 2023. Uh, 2023 will mark the 20th anniversary of the MIAA uh, playing in, in municipal auditorium. Uh, it was set to be 2022, but we, we skipped, uh, we skipped this past right. spring. So, uh, 2022 will be year 19, 2023 will be year 20. And, uh, 
you know, Chris, you've been down there. It's a great venue uh, for the MIAA to stage um, a college basketball tournament. I've had a number of coaches and student athletes that have played in other conferences uh, that have have commented just how big time it feels. Um, Coaches that have coached in Division I conferences and say that, you know, Division Two, at the MIAA at the Division Two level, is a better tournament. It's a, uh, it's a better venue, a bigger crowd, um, better competition, more meaningful games. So, so we're excited about that. That uh, that we get to work with, uh, with Kansas City and, and uh, you know, continue with that uh, that relationship. So, that was a, another big decision that came out of the meeting. This one probably won't be hard for you to argue or, you know, put it like, I guess, find anything else to say about it. But, you know, we talk about the MIAA and being one of the, one of the best conferences, if not the best, and arguably the numbers back it up. I mean, in Division Two, But when you see um, guys like Cam Martin, the Ryan Hawkinses, you know, get the opportunity and they go D- Division One, does that help the MIAA in the sense that's a recognition or is it also we're losing some of our better student athletes to Division One, Or how, how – do you look at it from a league standpoint? Yeah, I think it, it probably has uh, has a double side, two sided impact here. You know, the um, you know, on one hand, you hate to lose great, whether it's basketball players or football players or baseball players or softball players. Um, you know, you hate when they decide to transfer and leave an MIAA school. Um, you know, I feel I'm, I'm happy for um, for the student athletes you mentioned. They, you know, they uh, they now have a, a chance to to compete at, at the Division One level and and uh, you know, a, kind of a bigger platform, a bigger stage for them to uh, to show their skills. Um, it hurts. You know, that's great talent you're taking off of MIAA uh, teams, and uh, and certainly those teams will feel. Uh, the loss of those students but you know the thing I look at as commissioner um, it's a it's a great um, it's a great image boost for our conference it says a lot about the quality of of sports in the MIAA when coaches at the highest level um, in any sport are looking at MIAA student athletes as as student athletes that they would like to have part of their program. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think it helps with uh, just the overall image and brand of the conference. And, you know, Chris, we get a lot of transfers um, in MIAA, in the MIAA, uh, yeah. student athletes that were recruited by our coaches and, and, and they, they want to chase that division one dream and they have a chance to and and they may get there and it may not be what they had hoped they may not be getting the the playing time they may they may they may miss being away from home um they may miss uh you know playing in front of family and friends they may miss uh, being on teams that are competing for conference and and national titles so you know there are a lot of reasons why a, a student that's being recruited by uh, an MIAA coach decides to go to D1 and now and now goes back and uh, you know the fact that we've got these students that are 
that are taking advantage of opportunities to go and play D1 after they've been at an MIAA school for a while. Um, I, I think it just raises that awareness uh, to to students at the Division One level that hey, you know, if you're not happy, if it's not working out, wherever you're at in Division One. Um, you know, in a lot of cases, you could probably find a place in the MIAA that you could compete, um, maybe closer to home. And, uh, you know, like we, we we like to say and talk about in the MIAA, the MIAA is a place where NCAA champions compete in almost every sport. Um, almost every one of our schools, they start the year, um, you know, dreaming about and 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 uh, a real possibility of achieving um, a run at a national title. Right. And, um, and you know, so students in Division One already know that. And uh, some of our student athletes leaving and going to Division One, um, it, it just helps raise that awareness that, uh, uh, you know, the MIAA is a very competitive place, has great coaches, great facilities, and uh, very talented student athletes. I'll get you out of here on this one. I'll let, this is let you brag on this one a little bit. I didn't realize until it had to be late February, early March. It was down at Lawson High School. You probably know where I'm going with this one. Yeah. Uh, district championship game. I look over. I'm covering West Platte High School. And I look over across the gym and I see you sitting in the bleachers. And I was like, Why is he? Why is Commissioner Racy at, at this game? I looked down at the roster and sure enough. One of your boys on the St. Pius team, um, quite the run for them this year. And then I see on social media just the year that your your boys had, and just everything it's had, just pretty special year too. On I guess being the dad part too. Yeah, I uh, uh, you're gonna make me emotional here talking about uh, you know something I'm very proud of. But yeah, I have three very special boys, uh, Chris, and uh, my youngest Tyler is the one that you're talking about that just. Uh, just competed his senior year. Uh, just completed his senior year at St. Pius. Uh, they had a they had a great run in a lot of sports, um, including basketball, uh, where they made it to uh, to the Elite Eight. And uh, Tyler uh, Tyler had a special season, and uh, I was glad that I got to be there and and see what he loves doing. And uh, my middle son Zach is. Uh, um, he was honored with uh, the male student of the year at the University of Central Missouri. Um, it's called their Charno Award, and it's uh, uh, they give a male and a female student uh, of the year award. And so he got that award, and he's he's pursuing his MBA uh, at Central Missouri. And then my oldest son, uh, Cal, is a uh, uh, he's a graduate of. Uh, uh, University of Missouri Business School finance major and uh, just started a new job in St. Louis and uh, got to spend Father's Day yesterday with uh, with all of them and uh, um, yeah I'm you know I, I love what I do at the MIAA but I also love being a father and being a husband and uh, um, life is really good right now for the Racy family so so thanks for asking about that. Well, yeah, that's because I was just I was just standing there and I started zooming in to get like crowd shots and I I went right past you and I looked back and I went wait a second because I hadn't really looked at like the roster that closely yet at that point I went oh well this makes more sense now because at first I'm like 
what's he doing here? Yeah, maybe maybe he's here uh, scouting the officials or something, right? <laughs> I was like, I'm like, what could he possibly be scouting at this? But you know what? <laughs> Anymore, I never second guess anything. So you yeah. know, what? Yeah. that's awesome. I'm glad it's been a good year for you and your family. And thank you very much for doing this. I'm looking forward to more conversations with you and. Probably in the summer we'll have to find a few things to talk about, but hopefully once the school year gets going, I'm sure we'll have plenty to plenty to go through too. Yeah, it's uh, you know we're hoping that it's um, not as frantic and fast paced a summer like we had last summer, uh, getting hoping. ready for uh, a new world. But uh, but yeah, we're we're excited about the fall. Um, I think uh, I think the MIAA is going to be right in the hunt again in a lot of our fall sports for national championships and uh chris again i i appreciate this platform i i look look forward to spending mondays with you and uh talking about the miaa and everything there is to talk about uh in ncaa division two athletics well thank you sir i appreciate it once again